This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. We're live, we're ready. Go. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live from AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Holy moly. This. The most scenic, unbelievable. Is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic in history. A neutral zone. It's Welcome to another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am your host, Brock Richardson. Join in Kitchen well, I am in Kitchener, and joining me in Toronto is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I could be better. I think I uh, have this bug that's going around. I feel like everyone's kind of dropping like flies <laughs> around me. <laughs> this, everyone's feeling yeah. like crud right now. Yeah, we were just discussing that just briefly uh, before we uh, went on air. Everybody's got a piece of that. Cam was supposed to be with us today, but is under the weather. And actually, I almost got—I uh, almost had to host this show on my own. So thank goodness Claire was able to uh, slide in, even though she's a bit under the weather. Otherwise, you guys would have had to listen to me talk to myself <laughs> for t- two out of three segments. So uh, happy to have you along with me. And. One of the things I wanted to ask you was I got the opportunity last week to go and do some interviews at the Continental Cup. And one of the things that kept coming up was that they were so happy that their event, uh, the blind curling event, was in conjunction with the Continental Cup. And as a as a former athlete myself, uh, we always wanted events to be inclusive uh, with other events, your thoughts, being an athlete yourself, your thoughts on that and having events inclusive inside of other ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as an athlete, a disabled athlete, I, I definitely would like to see more events and same with the women's team. We, we definitely tried to align our events with other, other events that are going on kind of in the area and at the same time so that, Disabled sports at any level get that exposure because we just don't get it through the media. So we really have to dig deep into the community and make sure that we find our own ways to get exposure. I think it helps, too, with when you're connected with, you know, uh, mainstream sports. It helps with the awareness, certainly, especially when it's connected with a um, with an event such as that one, because the way they did it at the Continental Cup was they said, and participating in visually impaired curling on sheet D is uh, this this person and that person, and they went through the whole list, which obviously brings out some acknowledgement uh, to the crowd. And I know I was sitting down close to the sheet uh, watching the uh, visually impaired curling taking place, and there were certainly some conversations going on uh, about what it was and the exposure to sport itself. Yeah, exactly. I can. I specifically remember uh, one of our tryouts a couple of years ago. It was in Newmarket, and Newmarket has quite a few uh, sledge hockey opportunities. And but it was cool because we lined up the tryouts when there was like their biggest uh, girls hockey tournament. So it was cool that the girls got to have their tournament and in their downtime come watch some sledge hockey. Yeah, I think uh, it's all about inclusivity, and uh, I think more sports need to take note and 
continue to do it because we want to feel just as just as part of the mainstream as anyone else. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Todd Sargent, who's part of the London Blizzards organization. They're putting on a massive sledge hockey event next weekend in London. We're going to find out all the details about that coming up after the break here on the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do it in many ways, but one of the ways you can do it is our phone number. And it's... Um, I can't remember the... 1-866-509-4545. 1-866-509-4545. Goodness, I've said that a hundred times, and I could not remember the beginning digits. That's... Hilarious. Joining us now is our guest for today, and that's Todd Sargent, who's in charge of the, or part of the organizing committee for the London Blizzards Sledge Hockey Tournament, happening the beginning on Friday of the 24th through to the 26th. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. So, first of all, Todd, can you tell us your involvement with this tournament and then also how you became involved in sledge hockey in general. Uh, well, that's uh, both of them are fairly long stories, and uh, I'll try to make them as quick as I can. Uh, I became involved in sledge uh, a long time ago when my son was seven, and uh, he was born with cerebral palsy. And uh, at that time, I was coaching junior B hockey in, in Aylmer. And uh, when he got to be seven years old, it was just a lot of work at home for my wife. And so I decided to step back for a year and uh, and help out at home a little bit and at that same time this is back in 1997 Thames Valley Children's Center here in town started up a sledge hockey program and at Christmas time that year so a couple of months in they kind of made the announcement that they didn't want to be involved in the running of the program and they wanted it to be community-based so myself and another gentleman stepped forward at that point and uh tried to cajole people into joining an organizing group and uh, really just was uh, Sigmund Bernad and myself and 22 years later we're kind of still at it um, and uh, so my involvement came through my son uh, who uh, still does play 22 years later he's uh, playing with our club here locally in London and um, so that's how we got the program going and uh, it's been uh, a lot of fun a lot of work but uh, certainly very very rewarding. We're, uh, we're definitely thankful for you starting the, the program and kind of jumping in. Um, how did the London tournament kind of come to fruition? Uh, how long has it been running? Well, this is our 16th year. Um, to my knowledge, we're the longest-running tournament around. Uh, we certainly are the largest. Uh, uh, to, be, to be fair, we're the largest in the world. Uh, this year we'll have 47 teams. Uh, we thought we might hit 50, but we had two teams from China that had visa problems and were unable to come uh, as of about nine days ago. Um, but uh, we started up the tournament. We, we went to a couple that were... Uh, very small. This is back in the early 2000s, and Sigmund and I looked at each other and said, well, we could kind of do this, and 
uh, it would be a good fundraiser for the program. And so so we put a tournament together, and, and it's been a, a very good thing, not only for our organization, but uh, but for the City of London as well. We've had a lot of support right from the from the City Hall uh, down to Tourism London uh, and a lot of the local um, business groups. So uh, it's been just a, a great, great thing, and uh, we've seen it grow over the years to, uh, to where we are at our current size. And uh, as I say, we are the largest around. Um, it takes a fair bit of work to put on a t- uh, tournament like that, especially when they come from all over, uh, the teams come from all over. So we've got... Teams coming from Alberta. Uh, I think there's 19 teams from the United States. We did have the teams from China coming in, but they, as I said, had some difficulties at the last minute. So uh, so they didn't come. But last year we had uh, the national team from Britain playing in our tournament. The year before we had Sweden. And back in 2010 we had uh, two teams from Russia coming in. And um, so we, we've had a lot of success here with with our tournament. How do you get uh, such a wide variety of teams and uh, countries that have interests? Like, how does how does that come to be? How does that relationship, you know, come come to be so strong where they they want to come to your tournament? Well, that that's a, a fabulous question, and uh, I'm going to have to go back to 2009. And again, I'll make this story quick. I, I was invited in 2009 to go and start sledge hockey in Russia. Uh, up until that time, there were literally no sledges and no sledge athletes in Russia, but they were hosting the Paralympics in 2014, and they they needed to get a team going, and so uh, I was invited to go over, and uh, so I did. Uh, went over in 2009 for two weeks and took the first sledges into the country, which was an interesting story too. Passed the machine guns and and all of the stuff that I wasn't supposed to be taking uh, any of this stuff in so a little bit of sweat got me through the uh, got me through the border um we ran the first sledge practices there um we had some of uh, some people from the Russian Paralympic committee come to our tournament that year and then the next year they brought their new national team um to London and played in the tournament um, so that kind of started our relationship with national teams. And as well at the time, I was coaching uh, Canada's national sledge team, uh, their development program. So I was working with Hockey Canada, and uh, and that got me some contacts with some other countries too. And so it's it really developed out of uh, out of that trip to Russia uh, 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, we're we're pretty excited about the number of teams that will will contact us this is going to sound funny we uh, we're going to have the team the national team i didn't know there was one but the national team from morocco was going to come this year and uh, again through a lot of uh, talking and negotiation we just figured that maybe this year was too much for them and uh, so two of their representatives are going to come uh, to watch our tournament and we will sit down and talk with them about how to run sledge programs and how to recruit and how to fundraise, certainly from our experience anyway. And uh, then the, the the guessing is that uh, Morocco will come in next year with a team too. So that's kind of funny that, that, the, so that Morocco has a sledge hockey program. That's fantastic that it's growing kind of in parts that you never expected it to. Absolutely true. It's it's kind of funny when uh, when these teams come. Um, last last December, we hosted the uh, Canadian Tire Para Cup, which is uh, the kind of a a world run tournament uh, by Hockey Canada. So we hosted it here in London, and we had a team from Korea as well as the United States uh, come in and play in that. 
and uh, we had a lot of meetings with Korea about uh, about running uh, sledge hockey as well. And they're they're very appreciative of what we did uh, to try to get them going because they too are hosting the next Paralympics. And so we've got uh, from our, our tiny little program here in London, we've been able to spread our wings to uh, quite a few places around the world, which is uh, both exciting and uh, a little funny at the same time. If uh, any, go ahead. If Mark. anyone wants to come down to the event. Uh, can you give us an idea as to where it will be and sort of how the weekend uh, will look? Yeah. So uh, we start on January 24th, and uh, our main our main tournament uh, headquarters will be Western Fair Sports Centre here in London. And it's a fabulous facility with four ice pads, and you can see it's got uh, inside viewing that you can look at all of the games from uh, behind glass, or you can go out and watch the games as well. But because our tournament is so large, we're uh, now having to run out of Nichols Arena here in London as well. So we've got two, we've got two locations for uh, for all of our games, our 92 games that are being played in the tournament. Uh, people are are absolutely encouraged to come down, and the uh, price is free, which is great. And uh, there's just so much action that that people will be able to see. Just like stand-up hockey, the young kids are uh, are full of excitement as well as the uh, older, more skilled guys. So uh, we would encourage anybody who wants to come down to do so. Yeah, that's fantastic. So if anyone in the community in London would want to get involved in sledge hockey, uh, what kind of tips or advice would you give them? We uh, we are always 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 looking for more athletes, always looking for volunteers, and uh, we are uh, we do have an internet site at uh, LondonBlizzard.com, and there is all kinds of information about our program there. Uh, we are on the ice every Wednesday night at Western Fair with a practice, and uh, we would love to have uh, people from the community come out. And uh, if they want to try the sport, we've got lots of equipment for them. If they want to play the sport, so much the better. Todd, thank you so much uh, for coming on today and giving us a rundown of the event. And I know in a couple of weeks, we're going to have one of your athletes come on and uh, discuss how the weekend uh, went for London. So best of luck to your group and uh, good luck with the overall tournament. I appreciate your uh, your uh, words and we look forward to a great weekend. And um, And I hope that your interview in a couple of weeks goes great. We'll get you somebody that can that can really talk up a storm. Thank you very much. That is what we need here on the Neutral Zone. That was you as well. That was Todd Sargent, who is part of the organizing committee for the London Blizzards Tournament. And they will be at the Western Fairgrounds as their main campus. And most of us from the Neutral Zone will be down there at one point or another through... uh, Claire and Brett are playing. Myself and Cam will also be down there throughout the weekend, so come down and say hi. Coming up after the break, we're going to get into this whole discussion of sign stealing in the MLB, Major League Baseball, suspensions. It's just been a crazy, crazy time. Stay with us here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, here in Kitchener, and in the Toronto studio is Claire Buchanan. 
Well, there's a lot going on in this next segment, so I'm going to try to uh, do this as uh, detailed but as simplistic as I can. So the MLB has uh, investigated A.J. Hinch and Jeff Liu now, A.J. Hinch being the manager of the ex-manager of the uh, Houston Astros, and Jeff Lunau being the ex-GM of the Houston Astros, they were suspended by Major League Baseball for a year due to stealing signs from a couple of years ago. Both parties had been fired uh, subsequently after their one-year suspension. Then we found out that Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora was also connected in this situation, he uh, was under investigation but chose to part ways with the Boston Red Sox. Then we add another layer to this situation where we have Jose Altuve who played for the Houston Astros. Uh, and there's been video circulating recently that during the uh, last year's postseason, he hit a home run and during his rounding of the bases he was getting towards home plate and you could read on his lips saying don't tear off my shirt don't tear off my shirt now he was asked by a reporter after the game why did you say don't tear off my shirt his response was that he uh didn't want his shirt taken off he's a shy person so after all this being said claire what say you about uh, the sign stealing and the shirt situation. Well, I mean, in any sport, I don't think there's any kind of room for cheating, especially at that level. Um, you should be able to win games both clean and fairly. Um, I don't know. I just, my heart hurts a little bit for the LA families down there. They uh, definitely, I think, Without the cheating, they might have had a chance to bring the championship back to their their city. But um, sometimes cheaters win, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, the thing that I don't buy in this whole situation is Jose Altuve saying, I didn't want my shirt ripped off uh, because the last time it happened, my wife got upset with me. When you go and look at the video, and I've been watching a lot of sports stuff over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours due to this. Um, when you go and watch the video, he went back very quickly. He didn't stay with his team celebrating. He went into the dugout, changed the shirt very quickly, put on the championship shirt before anyone else got it. Because, quote, I didn't want my shirt taken off because my wife would get upset with me. Having said that, when people looked up his Instagram, there was pictures with him with his shirt off all over Instagram. In fact, five uh, over the last little while. So I'm not sure that this is uh, the thing that I buy necessarily. Um, do you buy it, I guess, is the question, with him saying, oh, it's, a, it's an embarrassment and that's what it was? I definitely don't buy it. Um, like you said, with if you go on his Instagram, it shows that he's clearly not shy about having a shirt off. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't believe him. He was definitely running into the dugout trying to hide something. Yeah, and, I mean, I've always lived by the, 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 the saying that those who 
have nothing to hide, hide nothing. And why? I mean, I, I can see, you know, there's been a few times when guys are running around and they have a shoulder injury and you see them doing the tap on their shoulder of don't jump on my shoulder. That I totally get. But what is interesting to me in this whole situation is why you were the first one to get a championship shirt when it's usually given out at home plate when everyone's jumping up and down and, and, and doing uh, celebratory uh, stuff. So um, do you think, though, that Alex Cora or A.J. Hinch will receive uh, more manage- manager roles after their one-year suspension? Honestly, I wouldn't hire them. Um, but <laughs> Neither would uh, I. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't doubt that they're going to find a job somewhere. Um, I don't think a year was enough either. Uh, kind of they just get to have a year off and then come back and kind of everything's erased. So hopefully it's not forgotten over the year and people kind of remember this. Now, A.J. Hinch was reported uh, to have been uh, smashing the televisions uh, that were being used to steal signs. Uh, now, this is when Alex Cora uh, was involved and was apparently the leader on this. Alex Cora really hasn't had a suspension. To my knowledge, he's just been a guy who's stepped away. So, very, very interesting um interesting developments and I don't think we're done with this situation and it's a bad look for the MLB isn't it Claire oh absolutely that's exactly my question is only a few people have been reprimanded right now but how I wonder how deep this goes how many people knew about it or were involved in actually helping it kind of follow through so it'll be interesting like you said to see over the next week or so um, what other names start popping up and what happens? And I think it, it might even go longer than a week. I think names are going to come out of the uh, woodworks, and then they're going to have to do investigating on that as well. And that marks the end of our show, show folks. I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan uh, for joining me today in the Toronto studio. I'd also like to thank our technician, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And our manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and we will chat with you next weekend. So So long for now. Have a good weekend, guys. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.